It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for October eleventh, two thousand seven. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father's name is Greg Gwynn. He's my co-host. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We've been looking forward to tonight's broadcast. We've got a special interview. We do. We interviewed last week Mr. Jonathan Hartzer. He's associated with the Anglican Church in Midland, Texas. What's interesting about Mr. Hartzer, Dad, is that he has been taking a stand against some of the uh, tolerance that has been noted in the national media in the Episcopal Church. Uh, the church down there that Mr. Hartzer is associated with took a stand against the Episcopal Church accepting homosexuality, and we got in touch with him because we appreciated that stand, wanted to learn more about uh, what they had been through, and uh, looking forward to the interview tonight, Dad. That's right. We're going to play this interview, and uh, I think our listeners will find it interesting. Again, this is uh, this, uh, Jonathan Hartzer is an Episcopal minister. The, the whole congregation of which he is a part down there in Midland, Texas, took a stand on the issue of homosexuality. The National Episcopal Church has endorsed same-sex relationships, and these folks in Midland, Texas, said we can't abide that. And uh, we wanted to talk to him about his thinking and some of the reasons that led to that decision and also where they stand on some other issues. That's not the only issue that's facing the religious world in general and the Episcopal Church in specific. So we wanted to question him about that. Well, we think the issue of homosexuality and accepting it closely parallels some other innovations and tolerances that are prominent in the religious world. And so we wanted to talk to someone who took a stand on homosexuality and see where they stood on uh, another issue that is closely parallel to it. That's right. Now, this is a recorded interview, Jacob, so our listeners will not be able to interact with Jonathan Hartzer directly. But we want you to listen to what he had to say. We don't want to sound bite him. We want you to get the full context of what he had to say. We will comment about some of the particulars as uh, later in the program, but we want our listeners to hear this. And as you're listening, what we'd like you to do is, uh, as you note something that he said that you think is worthy of comment, immediately send us an email. And we'll uh, in the second half of the program, we'll get to those emails. And we'll make comments and, and make some observations about uh, uh, Jonathan Hartzer's uh, uh uh, comments in the interview, but we want you to hear the whole context of what he had to say. All right, so get your emails ready for questions at collegeview.com, and we'll open up the phone in the second half of the program. Get ready to dial 877-381-4567. Let's go ahead and play the interview now, and we hope that you will listen closely to what Mr. Hartzer has to say. All right, join us on the virtual Bible study from Midland, Texas. Jonathan Hartzer is here. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be here. Give us a little background about uh, the church you're associated with down there and how you got to be associated with that church. Well, uh, I am associate pastor with Christ Church Midland. Uh, we're a, sort of a family-sized, vibrant 
a Bible-believing and growing congregation of about 400 folks. We're in a moderate-sized town of about 100,000. It's George Bush's uh, hometown. And we have just gone through a massive transition over the past two years. Uh, most of our membership uh, stems from the Episcopal Church, having uh, been a part of the St. Nicholas Episcopal uh, congregation. Uh, over the past few years, we've seen uh, the very troubling signs and activities by the National Episcopal Church uh, in all kinds of areas that I know we're going to talk about. Uh, suffice it to say that uh, we were one of those um, firmly educated in a biblical foundations congregations uh, that could not uh, continue along uh, with the way of the National Episcopal Church and had to uh, move on. Uh, Jonathan, this is this is Greg. Could you could you give our listeners just a real thumbnail sketch uh, history of the Anglican Church and the Episcopal Church and sort of sort of bring everybody up to speed as to where they came from historically? Sure. Very uh, very simply, the Episcopal Church in America is one of the major American denominations, like Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. The Episcopal has its roots in the Church of England, and so is sort of the, the original American official denomination from revolutionary times. Many presidents and senators and such have come from the Episcopal Church. Episcopal is simply the name for the American province of the Anglican Church around the world, which is the Church of England, which is the third largest denomination in the world internationally behind Roman Catholic and the Orthodox, i.e. Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, that kind of thing. Because of the British uh, colonial empire in the 17 and 1800s, this Anglican expression of Christianity spread around the world. Episcopal is that expression in the United States. Okay. And backing up a little bit farther, the Church of England, then uh, explain where, how it came into being. Well, a um, uh, uh, snapshot of history uh, Christianity spreads uh, throughout uh, the Holy Land, the Middle East, uh, and Paul, uh, thank, thank God, took it up to Rome and from there into Europe through the Roman Empire. Christianity spreads through Europe and goes to uh, England uh, by, uh, say, the 400s. And um, then uh, that became, over time, as we all know, over the centuries, the Catholic Church, Big C, Roman Catholic, the Pope, and and all of that, uh, and eventually we uh, recall that Henry VIII had political problems with uh, the Pope being in Rome and uh, England being a, a different uh, sort of insular nation, literally as an island off uh, of the coast of Europe, cultural differences, etc., and Henry, due to political affairs and also, uh, shall we say, his personal matters related to marriage and such, uh, declared a break with Rome in establishing politically the uh, Catholic Church in England, which was the Anglican Church, uh, and became the Anglican Communion around the world. So it stems from the historic Reformation uh, time, uh, from which all American denominations really, uh, outside of Catholicism, find their roots. Um, Luther in Germany gave rise uh, to the Lutheran Church. Uh, John Calvin coming out of the Church of England gave rise to the Methodist Church. Uh, folks in Scotland developed uh, the Presbyterian values and systems that typify 
the Presbyterian Church. All right, so we've got the history. Let's get up to current times. Now there's a dilemma that has uh, come in the Episcopal Church, uh, and that concerns homosexuality. Give us a little bit of history as to what's been happening here lately with you guys. Well, I think the first thing to do is to understand that the homosexuality uh, debate is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the latest grain of sand in a long uh, period of malaise and, and illness that has occurred. The news media, of course, is looking for sound bites. This is the lightning rod cultural issue of the day, and so we tend to uh, uh, blame it or label it on the homosexual field. I think if we look back succinctly um, in two ways, first a couple of hundred years into theology, um, over the centuries, uh, the tradition of Christian uh, viewing and, and explanation of the Bible was to go back to original languages and to accept and understand the explanations and meanings of the biblical text through original language. That changed over the last few hundred years as different sorts of what's called biblical criticism developed, essentially when non-believers uh, began to take scholarly looks at the Bible and when they began to unfold those things which we can see that certain texts appear to be repetitive or cobbled together from uh, various sources and that kind of thing. Those studies can enlighten uh, orthodox uh, faith of our fathers, understanding of the Christian faith, and we are thankful for that as they reveal details about the text. However, uh, as that trend continues, you can imagine an unraveling, a questioning that begins to occur, uh, and the pulling of threads, uh, which leads to a breakdown of the traditional interpretation of Scripture. Jonathan, would you, just to interrupt briefly, would you... Sure. Would it be your position that these traditional interpretations of Scripture serve as an authoritative base, or, or is, it, is it your position that we, we just got to go back to the Scriptures regardless of what others, how, how others may have interpreted it historically? We've got to go back to the Scriptures themselves. Uh, how do you stand on it? I, I know some denominations sort of take the traditional uh, uh, renderings or the way that way that this has been traditionally applied and sort of ser that serves as an authority for them how, how would you stand on that well uh, the, the question is, is is intriguing and of course we may be speaking with different meanings to words about authority of scripture and that kind of thing uh, I, I think the answer is is that among uh, I use this word orthodox for right belief a little o orthodox, not meaning Greek orthodox, but the traditions that have developed over the centuries of receiving the truths of apostolic teachings in terms of monotheism, uh, Trinitarian, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, the necessity of personal faith commitment, uh, Christ's experience on earth of living, uh, teaching, dying, rising again, the atonement, all of those things, uh, we would as a, a fundamental, not fundamentalist, but as a traditional Christian uh, denomination, as others around the world, uh, be unified in the reception of those uh, tenets of faith based on scriptural warrant. Uh, so yes, uh, scripture is authoritative. Uh, scripture uh, must be the source of validation for any ethical or moral dilemma, uh, any uh, way of living. We must return to that uh, as our foundation, certainly. Um, and you might express that uh, 
in uh, some of your listeners may be familiar with like the Nicene Creed, the statement of basic Christian belief developed in 325 and uh, continued today as a statement in many churches. Many churches don't state that creed, but that summary of faith uh, as expressed by Scripture is authoritative uh, and fundamental to our Christian beliefs. Well, you've been you've expressed that there's, you know, in the in recent uh, years, but maybe even many recent years, there's been a, a a departure from what you view as the the right approach, and it's led to some current controversies. Well, yes. Uh, the the first point was is that the way scholars and theologians have looked at scripture has uh, changed just in the last few centuries as many people have come up and said, well, you know, as a literary document, let's look at the Bible in this certain way. Or as a, as a social statement, let's look at this, this document in a certain way, i.e. Uh, interpreting uh, perhaps uh, male uh, chauvinistic society or something like that in, the, in the, the Middle East and the ancient Near East and how we're a different society today. And that brings us to the second and more pertinent uh, or, or more um, timely matter, which is our cultural development in the past, uh, say, uh, 40, 50 years. Um, we look at what you might call the Bill Clinton generation of leadership um, being schooled on those cataclysmic events of the 1960s, civil rights, the Vietnam War, um, women's liberation, sexual liberation. Um, all of those uh, may be uh, in, in components being needful uh, and having some value, such as the civil rights movement, um, and finding grounding in Scripture, uh, such as the, uh, the direction of Scripture toward uh, liberation, toward the, uh, the equaling of ethnic barriers in terms of the gospel being presented to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. Um, so... You come out of that, uh, that foment, that stew of, of challenge, of a time when authority began to be questioned, and we know that you can carry that, those arguments forward into new realms, such as, from a civil rights perspective, perhaps uh, the uh, discrimination based on human sexuality and sexual preferences. And so we have seen... Um, some folks in some quarters uh, begin to, over the last, uh, this, this current generation, uh, say, uh, well, you know, this is an issue. It is a discriminatory civil rights kind of issue that we should be um, granting rights and treating uh, persons whose sexual preferences are, who are, that are other than heterosexual. We should be equalizing the playing field for them. From some perspectives, civil rights, benefits, that kind of thing, okay, there may be something to talk about there. But from the biblical perspective, from the faith of our Father's perspective, Scripture does not support um, the declaration of an area of human behavior uh, suddenly being outside the pale of repentance and outside the equality that we all come to God with in terms of uh, being sinners. And in effect, what has happened from a political and social standpoint and cultural standpoint, uh, the Episcopal Church, as have other denominations, uh, been forced 
to look at these issues and to take a position. And the National Episcopal Church, without really saying so definitively, uh, but through its actions and inactions, has taken a very definitive position, um, even to the point of blessing same-sex relationships uh, openly. Um, and our congregation and hundreds of others across the country uh, had to stand up and say, well, we're sorry, but um, this is not warranted by the faith of our fathers. It's not warranted by orthodox belief. Jonathan, you're basically, if I, if I understand you correctly, and don't put words in your mouth, but you're basically saying we understand that there's a political consideration in this matter. You know, what, what may or may not be allowed as a political right versus what is right religiously and what, what we can uh, establish as approved of God from the Bible. Am I correct in that? Sure, and, and it's, the, it's the dangerous, uh, it's the sacred cow that has developed where anybody, uh, uh, the, you remember a, a couple of weeks ago, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or I'm sorry, maybe it was the new general in Iraq, uh, stated his personal uh, understanding of biblical foundations that, um, you know, uh, sexual activity outside of marriage uh, and outside of heterosexual relationship was uh, not ethically justifiable, morally justifiable in terms of the Bible, uh, and, a, and a, uh, an eruption occurred exactly. in, in reaction to that, that we can't state those things. Maybe another way to put it is this. Uh, I heard a wonderful teaching a few weeks ago. Uh, Jesus was radically inclusive. Okay, and that inclusivity is the is the new byword of um, this movement. Radical inclusivity. Jesus sat down with taxpayers, sinners, prostitutes, etc., uh, to the uh, great shock of the traditional establishment. And we we too, as Christians, are called to radical inclusivity. Come one, come all. In whatever state of sinfulness you're in, please come to the table. Come to the understanding and interrelationship with Christ, because in a sense, we're all in a state of sinfulness. However, the adjunct to that, the, uh, the other side of the coin, if you will, is that Jesus also called us to radical holiness. That yeah, is there's a to, difference between inviting sinners to come and saying, you don't have to change your sinfulness. Well, right. That's where the, um, that's where this call to radical holiness comes in, that that we're all invited, but what are we invited to? We are invited to an admission of our humanness, of our sinfulness, of our need to repent, of our need to turn in faith to God through Christ. And the, um, the challenges uh, in this teaching was that the, the National Episcopal Church has uh, cornered the market on radical inclusivity, but they have set aside the call to radical holiness. And I want to interrupt right there. If I can, it's time for us to take a break. We'll continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? The College View Church is still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible, and they're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. You're listening to an interview that we conducted with Jonathan Hartzer from the Anglican Church in Midland, Texas. Jacob, uh, we encourage everybody to keep listening to what Jonathan has to say. It's interesting, and, and I, I hope you've noticed that he is clear that he believes that homosexuality is not a scripturally authorized thing, and therefore it necessitated the church where he is to take a stand on that. We commend him for that. We believe that's exactly right. We would agree with him wholeheartedly. We wanted to get the interview uh, to go a little further into some other practices, and you'll see that we did here in this second half of the interview. Keep listening because we wanted to ask Jonathan about some other things that are also issues in the religious world and in the Episcopal Church specifically. And he commented about that as the interview goes on. Now, keep listening. And as you notice things that he said that you would like to comment about, immediately send us an email uh, and we'll try to work that in. Uh, the, the interview is going to continue here for another about 15 minutes. And then in the second half of the program, we'll be able to comment about those things. So listen and participate by sending us emails right now. Even though we're listening to uh, this interview in a recorded fashion, you can still get your emails to us so that we'll have them ready to comment. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking with Jonathan Hartzer from Midland, Texas. He's associated with the Anglican Church there. We're talking about the controversy that has been in the news with the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church about homosexuality. Jonathan, we're glad that you're joining us on the virtual Bible study. And uh, we've talked about the fact that uh, this controversy really does stem from a challenging of authority that we see in society beginning back in the 60s. And you've noted throughout uh, some time here that the Bible has been challenged as well, and that challenging has led to really uh, allowing something as radical as homosexuality being accepted in among people who claim to be religious, claim to be following God, but uh, they're accepting things that God has said are just downright sinful. Sure, and but but again, wording is very important here. Um, we, I, I think that the the soundbite, there's danger in the soundbite. We we must be as accepting. Of, of homosexual preferences as we are of heterosexual preferences. We must be accepting of uh, black, white, uh, male, female, uh, different ethnic groups uh, in terms of the invitation uh, to faith. Um, but, uh, but, we... but Jonathan, right there, there's a difference. I mean, there's a difference between being a black man and a white man and being homosexual and heterosexual. Of course there is. Uh, because, yeah. I mean, it, there's no there's no sin in being of a certain race, but but we certainly want to invite the homosexual to come to a, a, a saved relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's got to change something. The black man doesn't have to change the color of his skin to be a Christian, but a homosexual to be a faithful Christian, by your understanding and ours, is that he must, even if he possesses the preference of homosexuality, he must forego the practice of it. If he's going to be a, a child of God, well, exactly. He must forego the prefer the practice of it. He must forego the practice of it, just as any heterosexual man must forego uh, the practice of multiple heterosexual partners. Exactly. Sexual exactly. Activity no, I've, I've, I've often made the point that the homosexual is not the only one who has preferences. Well, exactly. And we've all been uh, God's word tells us to discipline ourselves concerning our preferences. Right. 
And I appreciate very much your point about the difference between uh, racial and ethnic issues and human sexuality issues, because that is where um, uh, getting back to the traditional uh, scholarship on the Bible and, and understanding the Greek and Hebrew uh, foundations, that, that there is no equation between uh, racial um, uh, male-female equality, the trajectory of Scripture and of God's love, there's no equation between that and um, sexual practice, i.e. monogamy, uh, outside of marriage, uh, that, that kind of thing. There is a distinction. I was just trying to say that um, uh, as this issue has been forced, uh, the nuance is, is that at our congregation, we welcome all, uh, but we also call all to repentance under God. You're right. Now, to just 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 give us a brief little. I mean, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but now the church there, you all uh, have pulled away from not only the Episcopal Church National Organization, but you've you've actually established uh, a, a, a separate congregation. There's been a, a a split in this matter. Well, um, the the detail is this: uh, we come from a long tradition of serving and, and existing under authority. We do not want to be uh, completely congregational in terms of just going off on our own with our own interpretations of Scripture and our own ways of worship. We have a wonderful worship tradition that values the ancient prayers um, and the ancient customs and rituals of the Christian church around the world, um, the values of prayer, the values of Scripture read and preached, the values of sacrament in terms of uh, remembering uh, with bread and wine uh, Christ's sacrifice and command to continue this in remembrance of me. Um, we, uh, th th there has not been a split in our congregation at all. Our entire congregation from St. Nicholas, 90% uh, of the congregation, uh, made a bold decision to walk away from its property, uh, its its building, uh, uh, say a $3 million building that was built with their own money, uh, their own work, not by any kind of diocese or bishop or national church, uh, but to provide a different witness to our community to say we're not going to fight over property. Uh, we are going to take a stand, and uh, that resulted in an incredible outpouring of support and unification uh, from all kinds of denominations here. We were offered uh, office space by Mid-Cities Community Church, uh, an inter- or non-denominational um, church here. Uh, First Baptist uh, made offers uh, and donations of, of equipment, supplies, whatever we need, uh, financial denominations, and our phone was ringing off the hook because of this stand we had taken to basically walk out of facilities, be rid of bricks and mortar, go worship in a school setting for two years. And the beautiful outcome on the other side is that God has magnificently blessed this effort to take this stand because within two years um, we have uh, purchased 16 acres of land, have raised the money, uh, and have built and are now sitting in a beautiful new, uh, larger church facility, uh, and we've grown to 400 people. Do you think and, this represents the um, the fact that that the people in general, not just those of the Anglican uh, 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 denomination or the Episcopal denomination, but people in general 
are sort of getting to the point of saying, you know, enough is enough, and we, we, we want to see people take a stand on what they believe is right. Well, we, we, we hope so. Uh, in, our, uh, in our denomination, um, it is said now that the Episcopal Church is statistically insignificant in the United States of America. It's down to about 800,000 uh, uh, average Sunday attendance uh, as compared to tens of millions for other uh, American denominations. Uh, it is said that, um, say, 700 people a week are leaving uh, the Episcopal Church, and we, uh, we hope that people are willing to take a stand um, in terms of that kind of action. But admittedly, this is a very difficult situation, especially for folks who have been in a church family for a long time, uh, who may have fought such battles in the past. Uh, it's a tough thing, but I can attest to this. Our experience is that when, when we or anyone is willing to, to take a stand in whatever way, shape, or form for truth, for biblical truth, uh, for, for doing the right thing as far as God's values, uh, God redeems that, and God will bless it. Uh, it, it the blessing may not occur uh, in comforts and luxury, but you can stand assured uh, of God's approval and affirmation uh, to have taken risk or sacrifice to do that. Now, let me ask you, as we talk about this apostasy, how far do you think it's going to go? And what, the, the road the Episcopal Church is headed down now, how far do you think it will go in the coming years? Well, I, I would hesitate to uh, try to forecast on a, on a hypothetical there. Um, the latest uh, news that has come out, uh, the latest of umpteen uh, million deadlines that has passed uh, in terms of the worldwide denomination calling the Episcopal Church to repentance and away from this du direction uh, has affirmed yet again just in the past few weeks that the Episcopal uh, House of Bishops has no intention whatsoever of tempering its stand. Uh, there may be various communiques and press releases trying to uh, soften the language or soften the impact. But the, uh, the church's direction as far as um, uh, giving official blessing to um, sexual relationships uh, outside of marriage um, shows no signs of coming back. And even to the extent that uh, there will be meetings in coming weeks, and it's already been announced, that uh, those uh, Bible-believing uh, bishops and jurisdictions around the world who have received churches and congregations such as ours uh, are establishing a new structure in North America for this denomination, um, and even that is not uh, is not calling them effectively calling them back. As to how far they're going to go into other uh, areas of of uh, human sexuality and stuff, I, I couldn't tell you. I think culturally, we can look. Uh, very reasonably at what is happening in our society and what we know has happened uh, since the 40s, 50s, and 60s in terms of uh, of human sexuality, and even in the even in the in the um, shall we say the quote normal scope of life, um, are are affairs uh, condemned and embarrassing anymore in in society? Uh, not as much. Are, uh, is divorce uh, a commonly accepted and understood uh, solution to marital problems? Well, uh, we all know the answer to that. And so um, the, the cultural trend is not up. 
Well, as you as we think about the apostasy and uh, and you guys have taken a stand, how do you prevent it in the future? How do you prevent uh, the Anglican Church 20 years from now from having a similar apostasy on maybe uh, something like uh, fornication or some other type of uh, immorality? How do you prevent uh, apostasy in the future? Well, I think there's a very um, a very simple answer there. Uh, first, of course, prayer uh, for uh, our leaders. Uh, we just uh, we just preached recently on um, the special temptation that that our leaders face. If you look back at Amos and other prophets decrying the uh, temptations toward power and money and luxury and those sorts of things, uh, we must lift up our church leaders in prayer. Uh, I think the second thing, and we've seen this borne out locally in our congregation, is um, the the nece- absolute necessity of of gentle undiluted, truthful, biblical teaching over the generations. And that has to do with the training of clergy and the affirmation of clergy that we shall not uh, preach in diluted ways uh, under cultural influence. Not that we're preaching fire and brimstone, not that we're uh, condemning people to hell, but that we're preaching the grace-filled truth uh, of God's call through Jesus Christ to faith We've seen that if that is preached over time, and if people are well-informed over time, and, and, and the truth is spoken instead of um, softened because of political correctness or cultural uh, warrant, that, for example, two years ago, when it came time for our people to make their decision to take a stand, there was complete unity. There was no question of what needed to be done. So prayer and long-term effective, truthful, biblical teaching and preaching, uh, I think, are the two keys. Let's assume that there's a child growing up in the Episcopal Church right now, and uh, 20 years from now when they're an adult, they're looking at the scene in the Episcopal Church. How do they decide that uh, what the Episcopal Church is doing and how they're accepting homosexuality and who knows what they'll be accepting 20 years from now? How does that person get back to what the Bible teaches? How do they recover from that apostasy? Well, I I think this would be uh, why we pray. It would it would certainly be up to uh, the grace uh, of God and the action of the Holy Spirit in reaching them. Um, hopefully, there would be um, in their supposed openness, you know, which is the is the great watchword of this of this movement. You know, this openness to multiple truths and understanding. The question is, is there a remaining openness? to biblical truth and God's authoritative call from Scripture, or is that truth now uh, archaic and outdated and outmoded? Unfortunately, we're seeing in the National Episcopal Church it is. There's no more room uh, for uh, for Bible-believing folks um, in terms of official congregational um, Jonathan, let me ask you, this is, uh, we're almost out of time here, but let me ask you a quick question. I know that the Episcopal Church in America uh, just recently, I mean, in fairly recent uh, uh, history, has appointed a woman to be bishop. Uh-huh. How do you all stand on that role of women in, in, in your nomination? Would you agree with that move, or is that, again, one of the things that you'd have an issue with? The Anglican communion around the world is 70 million people from hundreds of, you know, uh, dozens and dozens of countries, nations, and cultures. And so there has been allowance for sort of an umbrella, a reception of different cultural preferences and norms 
taken to extreme um, that, uh, just like anything else taken to extreme, can lead to uh, the problems that we've seen. Uh, the official uh, position of uh, the official uh, of the of the Episcopal Church and other denominations is the allowance that women can serve in leadership. Uh, interestingly, the um, diocese and and leadership that we've come under in terms of an African archbishop um, also makes uh, that allowance. Well, again, we would point to the scriptures and see basically the same language that would condemn homosexuality would condemn uh, women being in those positions of authority. What would you say about that? Well, I, I think it's it's just like anything else. Um, reasoned, moderate, um, faithful understanding of Scripture has obviously allowed Christians in various denominations to arrive at different conclusions about female headship or about male headship. And uh, you know, th those those folks we would not consider uh, on either side of those issues to be in the extreme. But when we take that uh, that direction of moderacy or of interpretation to the extreme, we see the problems that we get. I want to say one more thing, uh, again, in terms of our language and, and how we say things. There are hundreds of thousands of Bible-believing, faithful, uh, born-again Christians in the Episcopal Church, and I was one of them. Uh, our entire congregation uh, were those people. And so we want to be careful not to condemn this entire denomination. I think it's important to uh, take a, a reasoned stand and objective opinion on the leadership, the clergy, uh, the lay people, and the national leaders that are moving in this direction. Uh, but we do remember that there are many, many folks who are standing in the Episcopal Church determining to remain there and to try to uh, rescue the denomination from within just as there are those who have departed. You know what I mean? Well, they, certainly people need to be standing for the truth and wherever they are, and hopefully sure. there are people who are willing to take that stand. But as you you guys have experienced, that's going to be a difficult thing for some people to do. One last question for you. Uh, you guys have taken a stand on homosexuality, as noting that is an apostasy in the Episcopal Church that needs to be corrected. Are there any other areas in the Anglican Church that you're associated with now? Are there other, any other areas of apostasy that exist, and how do you know? Or, or even more, more broadly, what what would be issues that you would? Well, this this is way too broad of a question, but can you illustrate another uh, doctrinal point where you'd say this can't I can't abide that? We're not going to go that route. We'll have to we'll have to make a change. I mean. This this issue of homosexuality was one. Can you think of others that that would lead you to that same course of action? Well, one one quick point of correction: we as a congregation have not taken a stand on homosexuality. What we've done is taken a stand for the faith of our fathers, for Orthodox Christian beliefs, of which this homosexual issue was just the latest uh, and and most pointed uh, in today's uh, culture and in today's national uh, church. Uh, the, the issue of the day, okay? Um, we're looking at a much bigger picture issue about who is Jesus, what is Scripture, uh, what is the way to faith. Um, I would say that uh, officially within the Anglican Communion, uh, no, there are not a lot of issues in the Anglican Communion around the world uh, that uh, come to the level uh, that this has been forced to politically and culturally. There are certainly... Um, those things uh, within any denomination where there may be differing opinions, such as the female headship, uh, 
issue. Um, but to go along with the, the homosexuality pinpoint is the movement of the national uh, church, uh, either explicitly or implicitly, toward um, uh, is Jesus the only way? Well, the answer uh, seemingly through statements uh, and, and, and the lack of statements is that no, he's not. Uh, that he's a wonderful teacher, but that there may be other ways to heaven through other uh, faiths, uh, non-Christian faiths, and that kind of thing. So um, I, I guess the answer is no, there are not other pointed uh, issues, but on a theological foundation, uh, there is the subtle direction that goes along with this current debate um, uh, that, that we would take exception to. There are unspoken issues in the American Episcopal Church, in the, um, in the, the Church of England, in the, in the Church of Canada in our denomination, uh, where that Christian liberality has gone too far, and that's why we are not subscribing to it any longer. Well, John, I think you would agree with this statement as, as we talk, as we conclude. You know, we've got to make sure that we're going back to the scriptures and that we're not deviating. Sure. And over time, the tendency is for people to deviate and get away from the scriptures. We need to get back to what the Bible teaches, and if we'll follow that, we'll know we'll be right with God. Sure, and it's a problem that all of our denominations and all Christians face over the millennia. Well, Jonathan, thank you for your time. We appreciate the discussion and your insight. Thank you, Jonathan. We, we enjoyed talking to you this morning. My pleasure. All right, there you have it, uh, the interview with Mr. Jonathan Hartzer from Midland, Texas. We do appreciate him joining us for the interview. Certainly some things there that you'd want to commend about what he said and maybe some things that you'd like to comment on further. And we're going to give you the time to do that right after this break. So jump on right now. Send us your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com or call us at nine or 877-381-4567. When we get back, we'll make comment about the interview. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when the emphasis of the work of the church was on teaching the gospel, converting the lost, and strengthening the saints? Can you recall good old-fashioned gospel preaching that appealed to the Bible as the sole and final authority in all religious matters? Are you tired of seeing churches that seem much more interested in social events and entertainment than in simply following the New Testament pattern? Would you love to hear lessons from the pulpit like you used to hear? Do you want to find a church that is still doing things the way you remember from years ago? If these things describe the way you are feeling, please visit the College View Church of Christ. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're glad that you're part of it tonight. And we're looking forward to your comments at questions at collegeview.com or 877-381-4567. Dad, certainly do appreciate Mr. Hartzer for joining us on the program and being willing to discuss these important topics. It is a very uh, admirable thing that they did by taking the stand for what they believe is right. I think that's right. And I think we want to commend him and anyone like him who says, you know, this is not right. This is not true to the Bible and we won't abide it. And in regards to this homosexuality, uh, we would we would commend the stand that they've taken and agree with them wholeheartedly that this is a thing not authorized in scriptures and therefore cannot be tolerated. And so, uh, you know, whatever else we might say, and, and we do have several things we want to comment about, but I'm, I mean, I hope that uh, Jonathan, as he listens to this program and others of his congregation, uh, would certainly accept our commendation for the fact that they made a noteworthy and 
commendable stand for what was right in this matter of same-sex relationship. And as he said, it wasn't without consequence. There was sacrifice that was made in order to stand up for what was right, and that takes a lot of courage and a lot of commitment and uh, certainly admirable. I think that's right. And, you know, Jacob, I would also agree with what he had to say about how could we prevent future apostasies. Uh, You know, he he said we we certainly uh, need to approach it prayerfully and with biblical teaching. Uh, being grounded in Bible teaching is is what is necessary. Um, one of the things we want to avoid, and uh, and and uh, that's the reason we played the whole context of our interview with Jonathan, is that we don't want to soundbite him and take things out of context. But I made some notes as as I was listening to the to the interview again, and just noted some of the things he said that again we would agree with. He said. He he said emphatically that, that his group, his congregation, could not continue with the National Episcopal Church because of things that were going on. And he said that homosexuality was just the tip of the iceberg, that there were other issues. Uh, uh, People eroding the, the validity and the authority of the scriptures, the, the modern idea that the scriptures aren't relevant, aren't inspired. And this can do whatever you want to do. That's right. And he said we must return to Scripture as our foundation. We would agree with that just absolutely. That is completely our point of view as well. He said from the from a biblical perspective, Chris, uh, uh, Scripture simply just does not support homosexuality. And we had to stand up and say this is not supported. So in all of those things, Jacob, uh, you know, we would agree uh, uh, absolutely. He said we had to take a stand. We had to do the right thing. Good for them. Uh, we commend them for it. Uh, but um, as as it went on, we got to the point that we really wanted to stress in our interview, Jacob, and that is that there are some other issues. Why not take the same sort of stand on some other issues? Yeah, I told uh, Jonathan before we had the interview that we wanted to talk about apostasy in general because we believe that this is a prime example of apostasy. We wanted to talk to him about the reason for it and the way to prevent it. And he had some interesting comments about the reasons for how they got to the point they are now. And um, interesting to, to tell, has he told us how to prevent apostasy in the future? Notice this. Uh, let's play this clip of uh, what he said. Uh, I think the second thing, and we've seen this borne out locally in our congregation, is um, the, the nece- absolute necessity of, of gentle, undiluted, truthful, biblical teaching over the generations. And that has to do with the training of clergy and the affirmation of clergy that we shall not uh, preach in diluted ways uh, uh, under cultural influence. Let's rewind that and play it again. We shall not uh, preach in diluted ways uh, uh, under cultural influence. Now, he says very clearly there that the, we can't allow our society to influence our teaching. That's how you prevent apostasy, and we totally agree with that. And, and notice, uh, I think a key there is he said you can't let cultural influences be a factor in that. You know, that the, the Episcopal Church is a prime example. The cultural influences that he highlighted there caused them to be led away from yeah. the Scripture. Well, the culture has changed on homosexuality 50 years ago. This would have never happened. Homosexual- it wouldn't have happened in the Episcopal Church. Not in the Episcopal Church because culturally homosexuality was completely unacceptable to all people 50 years ago. But now culture has changed and the Episcopal Church has modified its stance because of the culture. And Jonathan is saying you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't let, you can't soften the preaching 
because of cultural influence. You're opening up Pandora's box when you yeah. do that. Yeah, but then, Jacob, when we got to asking him about another issue that's in the Episcopal Church, that of women preachers and leaders, the National Episcopal Church, uh, uh, just within the last couple of years, has named a woman to be head bishop over all the church, Episcopal churches in the United States. What about that? The Anglican Communion around the world is 70 million people from hundreds of, you know, dozens and dozens of countries, nations, and cultures. And so there has been allowance for sort of an umbrella, a reception of different cultural preferences and norms uh, taken to extreme um, that, uh, just like anything else taken to extreme, can lead to uh, the problems that we've seen. Uh, the official uh, position of uh, the official uh, of the of the Episcopal Church and other denominations is the allowance that women can serve in leadership. Uh, interestingly, the um, diocese and and leadership that we've come under in terms of an African Archbishop um, also makes uh, that allowance. All right, so there seems to be somewhat of a contradiction there, Dad. He says that the cultural influences have to determine whether or not you accept women preachers, why don't the cultural influences accept, determine whether or not you accept homosexuals? Yeah, I don't know if Jonathan realized the inconsistency of what he was saying there because at one point he said we just got to get our, our well, he called them clergy. We wouldn't use that designation, but basically we got to get our preachers to stop softening their preaching because of cultural influences. And then when we asked him about women preachers, he said, well, we understand that from different cultures, you, you, we have to be sort of allowing of these things because different cultures bring different things to the table. Well, where are we going to go on? We're, we're sort of awash now. Uh, culture can't be allowed sometimes. Other times it can be allowed. What are we going to do about that? Well, he goes on and talks about a reasoned and moderate approach. Notice this. Well, again, we would point to the scriptures and see basically the same language that would condemn homosexuality would condemn uh, women being in those positions of authority, what would you say about that? Well, I, I think it's it's just like anything else. Um, reasoned, moderate, um, faithful understanding of Scripture has obviously allowed Christians in various denominations to arrive at different conclusions about female headship or about male headship. All right, so we we just we disagree with uh, the position that Mr. Hartzer has taken, and. We, I think it's very dangerous, Dad, if we allow society, as he's encouraging there, to allow society to de determine whether or not we accept what the Bible says. Again, the Bible is very clear on the role of women. Uh, it says women should be silent in the churches. But our society, on the other hand, says it's perfectly fine for women to, to have any role that they want. Um, which are we going to line up with? Mr. Hartzer's leaning towards what the society dictates. We're saying we need to go back to what the scriptures say, because if we lean towards what society says, uh, we're going to allow anything and everything. Again, I think the, the scriptures are clear. The scriptures are really as clear on women preachers as they are on homosexuality. And we would agree with Jonathan on the homosexuality issue. The Bible's very clear about that. The Bible's equally clear on the issue of women preachers. If not more so. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 14. Let me read real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse uh 
uh, 11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So, you know, uh, this this is the dilemma we face, and this is the, the, the sort of the interesting thing about Jonathan Hartzer's interview with us. Take a stand on homosexuality, great. Why not take that same stand for uh, the true authority of the Scriptures on all issues? You know, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We've got to we got to take this stand on all things, and that's what we would stress. The culture is clear on women preachers. The culture says it's okay, but the Bible says it's not. Which side are we going to line up? We've got to line up with the scriptures because our society says all kinds of immorality and other things are okay. All kinds of turn on your television set and see what kind of things society says is okay. All kinds of fornication and adultery. It's fine. It's funny. Are we going to line up with what the society says or what the scriptures say? Jonathan used the terms reasoned and moderate approach to the interpretation and application of Scripture. But really, that's just opening the, the, you know, sort of opening the barn gate. And once you open that and let the first thing through, then who gets to say? I mean, if I, I got to, in, in all fairness and with all due respect to Jonathan Hartzer, and we really appreciated his good attitude and his, his uh, willingness to share with us the things that he's been involved in. In all fairness to him, if I was a member of, still a member of the National Episcopal Church, I'd say, why are you condemning us? You're allowing the women preacher thing, and if you can have the women preacher thing, then we can have the homosexual thing. I mean, who gets to say which things are worthy of taking a stand on and which things are not? What we're saying is we've got to go with what the Bible teaches, and we have to stand firm on it when we waver. When we allow the society to dictate what we will accept, then we really do open the door and anything and everything goes. We have time to take your comments at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. But you look at society, Dad, and the things that society is accepting. What about marriage and divorce and remarriage? You can get a divorce for anything and everything today, and divorce has no stigma at all attached to it. Should we soften what the Bible teaches on divorce and remarriage? Well, there are a lot of people in the religious world today who are softening that teaching. Do we soften that? Do we say, well, the Bible says that there's only one cause for a divorce, but our society says you can get a divorce for any cause, so maybe we should soften up on some of that teaching. Certain, certainly people in the religious world are doing just that. Yeah, and, and that's the danger, and, and, and that's why ultimately the only place to really draw the line, what we're saying is it, – Jonathan, uh, in his interview with us, demonstrated the fact he draws the line somewhere. Uh, everybody draws the line somewhere. Where are you going to draw the line? Is it just going to be based upon our opinion, uh, uh, on on our preferences, what we think is worthy of standing for and not standing for? Well, actually, the only place to draw the line, and we can we can agree about this. We can be in complete unity uh, religiously if we all say we're going to draw the line where the Bible draws the line. Certainly would take care of all the religious division in the world today if we would just say the Bible says it and we're going to accept it. We don't care what our society says. We know that the Bible says that and that's the way it's got to be. That's the only way that it was acceptable uh, to God is we stand on what he has revealed to us in his word. You look at uh, some other things. Jonathan talked about uh, there's a discussion in the Episcopal Church today about whether or not Jesus is the only way uh, in order to be pleasing to God. Our society Dad, in an increasing number, is saying that Jesus is not the only way, that any kind of religious activity, any kind of spirituality is fine. God will accept anything. 
That's what our, a lot of people in our society are telling us today. Are we going to soften what the scriptures teach about Jesus being the only way to salvation? Or are we going to accept what the society that we live in teaches us? Well, as he said, there's an indication that th- that is already being softened on the part of some. Some who call themselves Christians are saying, well, we've got we to gotta allow for the, the Muslims and we've got to allow for the Jews. Uh, well, those people don't believe in Jesus as the only way. Jonathan does. We do. But if we if if these kind of if this kind of openness is allowed again, there's no holds barred. There's no end to it. We've got an email, Jake. We get, need to get to quickly before our program is over. Uh, Anthony here in Columbia, Tennessee, has written in and says, "What constitutes truthful biblical teaching? Is it the scriptures, or is it the quote faith of our fathers?" Jonathan used that expression several times. The faith of our fathers. He says, "If we're relying on traditions." We have the the tendency to say that our predecessors are outdated and obsolete, leading to our creating our own traditions. In other words, if we're basing it, if we're basing our religion, I think what Anthony's saying, and I think I agree, is if we're basing our religious practice upon traditions handed down, not biblical traditions, not biblical teaching, but the thing, the, doing things the way it's always been done, then there, there's the the real danger that people say, well, you know. That's really old-fashioned, and I think we can establish our own way of doing things. Or if you accept something today and it becomes a tradition, then future generations will accept it without going back to the Scriptures. The, you know, the Episcopal Church today, by accepting homosexuality, they had 50 years from now, if they're relying on tradition, they'll never get back to what the Scriptures teach and, and thinking that homosexuality is wrong because tradition says in the Episcopal Church now that it's okay. You know, And again, I would just stress that the... The only way we can know for sure, and the thing that we can agree upon is go back to the Bible absolutely and completely and and take it uh, for what it says. Without going back to the Bible and standing on it, without regard for the society we live in, without that, Dad, we have to uh, to be consistent and to be logical. We'll have to accept anything and everything that our society accepts. Exactly right. We do appreciate Jonathan for his uh, willingness to discuss these important subjects with us. Again, Dad, we appreciate them for taking the stand on uh, on what they believe is correct about homosexuality, a courageous stand, and a stand that ought to be uh, emulated by people who are wanting to be right with God, regardless of the consequences, regardless of uh, whatever sacrifices we have to make. We should be willing to stand up for what's right, what is revealed in the Scriptures, because we know that it's God's will and we want to be pleasing to Him. And we would only encourage Jonathan, members of his congregations, and others, uh, others who are thinking the same way, go all the way back. Don't go part of the way back to the Bible. Go all the way back. If it was right to do about homosexuality and you think that uh, God was pleased with that, wouldn't God be pleased with other uh, deviations that you take a stand against? Certainly he would. And that's what we're encouraging on the virtual Bible study is stand up for what's right, go back to the Scriptures and rely on them and them alone to determine what is right and what God would have for you in your life. Dad, thank you for the discussion tonight. I think it's been a good study, and we, again, appreciate Jonathan Hartzer and appreciate his interview with us and uh, hope that uh, it's been enlightening to hear uh, his comments. Certainly have. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions or comments about the things that we said, give us a call or send us an email at any time, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.